global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by CGMA, Chartered Global Management Accountant. The CGMA designation and program deliver critical skills your finance team needs to succeed. Learn more at cgma.org slash radio. Oil is climbing to a six-month high, as Goldman Sachs Group said the market moved into a deficit earlier than expected following supply disruptions in Nigeria and an increase in demand. And U.S. stocks are moving higher this morning as well. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The S&P 500 is up four tenths percent or eight points at 2054. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up four tenths percent or 76 points at 17,611. The Nasdaq is up half percent or 21 points to 47.39. Ten-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.73 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.77 percent. NYMEX crude oil up three and a half percent, up a dollar sixty to 47.81 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.2 percent or fifteen dollars fifty cents at 12.88. Announced the euro a dollar thirteen thirty three the yen 108.86. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway disclosing a stake in Apple. A regulatory filing showing Berkshire held nine point eight one million Apple shares as of March thirty first, and the holding was valued at one point oh seven billion dollars at the end of the first quarter. Apple's up two and a half percent today. Pfizer agreeing to acquire Anacor Pharmaceuticals on a transaction valued at about five point two billion dollars to gain control of an experimental treatment for eczema. Anacor Pharmaceuticals is up 54.5% right now. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you very much. Tom, it's always a treat to welcome back a former employee who has uh, done reasonably well for himself. 1946, Robert Bernstein got out of the U.S. Army, went to work as a switchboard operator at WNEW Radio. This station is the former WNEW Radio, changed its call letters to WBBR some years ago. Uh, shortly after he began work at WNEW, uh, Bobby Bernstein <sighs> took a higher offer, went to work at Simon & Schuster. It was all downhill from It was him, downhill uh, from there. Uh, from Worst there. career became, move ever. <laughs> became the, the, the long-time head of Random House, published uh, nobodies like William Faulkner, Tony Morris, and Andre Sakharov, James Michener, and even Dr. Zeus. Um, and now has written about those wonderful years and his uh, terrific career. The book is Speaking Freely. I spent the weekend reading it. It's a wonderful reminiscence about uh, what happened in New York during those years and in the publishing industry, and then also a very sobering account of what it takes uh, to keep uh, free speech and uh, free expression alive in the world. We welcome... Robert Bernstein to the program. Thank you. Uh, you've been on before. Thanks for coming back with us. And uh, uh, while it has been written that uh, Mike Bloomberg doesn't allow people to come back after they've left the company, I think we can make an exception in your case. If you need a job, uh, <laughs> we're, we're open. Well, in view of the fact that there's 50 years between appearances, I think it ought to be okay. <laughs> Well, uh, you you had an amazing career because you hit a, a time when you began work. Uh, it was the romantic era of book publishing uh, when uh, a William Styron would come in with a new uh, a, a new manuscript and a bottle of whiskey and go into the editor's office and they'd emerge with a book a couple of days later. And uh, the day you took over, or the the month you took over uh, as head of Random House. Uh, they were bought by RCA, and it became a corporate business, and you were the first ones uh, to go public uh, and, and on from there. Uh, 
you you really stand a change in the business in the industry. That's true. What happened is corporation large corporations started buying publishing houses because they thought the computer which was then called the hardware of the education business would need software and that the software would be textbook publishers uh, and that the computers would go into schools and so they started buying uh, corporations that had textbook business. Random House had a very small textbook business called the L.W. Singer Company and they really bought us for that reason, not for any of the reasons you might think, like, uh, you know, having great authors and owning Alfred A. Knopf and merging with them and with Pantheon. But for this little company, a textbook company, turned out to be a big mistake, as we all know later on. Who was your favorite author to work with, the, the most interesting, if not, uh, if, if not the most easy to get along with? Well, first of all, when you're president of the company, and uh, I came up on the sales side, you don't work day-to-day with authors on their manuscripts. You get to know many of them as their books get near publication, some beforehand. The author I really knew best was, I won't say a strange one, but it was Dr. Seuss. And we got very, very friendly and uh, worked on, uh, uh, he would always come and read his books to me, and he said, you know, I have to have approval from the publisher. Do you approve? That was the easiest decision I ever made in my life. When you, when you look at that, and I guess it speaks to the future of business, and I would suggest print, uh, uh, pr- print is having a renaissance right now. As you look at the prism of children's books with your 87 grandchildren, uh, how many? 87, <laughs> 87 grandchildren. What's the future of books uh, I, for our children? I, I think, I think you ought to correct that. <laughs> okay. What, 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 what is the future of our books as you look through the prism of Seuss and children's books? Well, I think, I think it's enormous. I think more and more people are getting educated. More and more people are interested in having their children, as always, do better than they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is that children's books last forever. I mean, look at Winnie the Pooh and Babar. And Dr. Seuss, I think, is selling well, even better than when he was alive. One of your, one of your uh, uh, triumphs, Mr. Bernstein, was very early on, and everybody listening to this worldwide knows it. You essentially created Eloise. Now, you were not the author, but you were brought in as a kid to leverage Eloise from the modest success it was. Tell us about that moment where you made the Park Plaza and Eloise iconic. Well, first of all, I hate to correct you, but I certainly did not create Eloise. Tay Thompson and Hillary Knight did a Hillary Knight illustrating and Tay Thompson writing did a fantastic job, and Kay Thompson being a star as well as an author was easy to get publicity for it, and the idea of having a little girl live at the plaza really took off, and I was really, I was at Simon & Schuster and became friendly with Kay, and she wanted to merchandise the book, you know, to sell the other rights, so the book was published by Simon & Schuster and didn't need me to help it, but I sold all the, you know, doll rights and clothes rights. Simon and Schuster gave me permission to do that. 
Well, you did such a good job. I mean, it's still a huge seller today. The other part of your career is 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 as interesting, more sobering, uh, than than the grand stories of cocktail New York in the fifties and sixties, and that is your involvement in the human rights campaign. Very, uh, people may not realize you began Human Rights Watch, and that all started with a visit you made as a publisher to the Soviet Union. Well, I was I first went to the Soviet Union in nineteen seventy actually with three other publishers to talk them into joining the copyright convention. When you don't belong to the copyright convention, you don't pay any royalties. And that's what they were doing. So it took us three years going, going excuse me, going back and forth. And on May 27, 1973, they joined the copyright convention. They then wanted us to publish Soviet books so they'd make money on royalties. And they invited us over to meet their idea of authors, which were all very controlled and writing just what they wanted. Uh, that was not the way American publishers did it, and I started to roam and met all the dissident publishers who were having trouble getting published, notably the most important being Andrei Sakharov. Andrei Sakharov had been the leading scientist in the Soviet Union. He had dis- discovered the hydrogen bomb for them. He then had second thoughts about what he'd done and decided to spend the rest of his life being sure it was never used. And he started talking uh, about uh, how to do that. And the Soviet government took exception as he was talking about human rights and free speech being necessary. And they uh, took away all his privileges, got his big apartment, his chauffeur, everything put him in a tiny little compar- apartment, eventually exiled him to the city of Gorky, which was inland so that none of the reporters in Moscow could get to him, and even watched him day by day. After We, we signed his book. Uh, I met him at a, uh, a dinner uh, and was fascinated with him and said, look, I'm a publisher. I've really got to publish your autobiography. And to my surprise, he said, I'd like you to do that. And so I said, how do we get a contract? And he said, in this crazy country. He stuck out his hand. We shook hands. And he said, now you have a contract. You work out the details. (laughs) Robert Bernstein, the book is Speaking Freely, My Life in Publishing and Human Rights. And, Tom, it is a a tour de force. Everybody uh, will have a great time. Perhaps the most fun book we've had in a long time. No no question about that. And, And also at a time where I would suggest, Michael, even within our digital space, a renaissance in the printed word. I would yeah. not have said that four or five years ago. But um, I, I, I see it around the house. I, I see people with books in their hands more often than not. As a former employee, we got to have him back. I think we should do that <laughs> in another 50 years. Yeah. The Dow up 67 points. Michael McKee and Tom Keene. We begin the week on a Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. Bloomberg Surveillance.